Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen. Let everything that has breath give him praise. It feels good to praise him, doesn't it? Oh boy, three of us agreed to that. It sounded like it felt good because you guys were singing. And uh, God loves it when we sing to him. If you have your Bible this morning, I want to encourage you to join me in Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Now, some of you felt like I was probably going to continue in the book of Acts, right? And I was one of those people early in the week, but the Lord uh, directed me a different way. And I believe before we leave, you'll understand why. I know at least in the early worship time, uh, God showed me no less than 10 different individuals uh, who proved once again to me that God knows best. Does that make sense to you? God knows best. I had a plan. I was going on with Acts chapter 9, and God said, I've got a little different direction I want to go. Here's what I'm reminded of. He's God, and I'm not. I'm thankful for that, right? And so the pressure is not on me except simply to obey, to lovingly obey him. Uh, this morning, if you're our guest, I want to say, if you'll notice on a couple of chairbacks, uh, every other one, something like that, there's a little QR code. I want to ask you, if you would, help us out to be able to minister to you by uh, scanning that with your phone and, and filling that out so that we can minister to you. That's what the church is for, not just a place to meet, but it's a family to be a part of. And I know what you're looking around thinking, man, this is a big family. And I would say this is only one of the gatherings. It's an earlier gathering, and, and it is a really big gathering. But I'll say this. It's good to have a big family, you know, and you can learn how to get just to know a few of them at a time. I say this, start in your neighborhood and get to know the people around you and work your way out. And this morning, Psalm 103, I want to begin by asking you, a couple of questions, okay? And the first question I'd like to ask you in a series of questions would be this. Do you ever find yourself discouraged? I want to just sort of look around the room and ask you again. Do you ever find yourself discouraged? Anybody? Do you ever find yourself in need of a pep talk? you ever find yourself there? You just need somebody to kind of talk you up, talk you out. You know, uh, in the scripture, there are several places when uh, the men of God wanted, they even contemplated taking their own lives. Matter of fact, some of them even said to God, uh, just take my life. Just take me. I'd be better if I was dead. And Elijah was one of those men in the cave hiding away from God, you'll remember. Uh, But before that, after a Mount Carmel wonderful experience and power of God flowing, he finds himself sitting underneath a broom tree, pouting. Yeah, you ever find yourself pouting a little bit about life? Anybody in here ever get on a soapbox? You know, you start looking at your circumstances and it just sort of runs in your mind. I think back over my life to several different pep talks and they fit in different categories. First of all, I played football from about the age of fourth grade through two years of college. And uh, during that time, I had a lot of pep talks to go play. And uh, right before time to play, somebody would step in, a motivational speaker oftentimes, and they would challenge you and, 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 and talk to you and get you fired up. Man, you'd, you'd leave that pep talk ready to run face first into a cinder block wall. You hear me? And uh, you just... If you've, if you've never been a part of those, you've missed out on some things. I'm telling you, it just gets you fired up. But there have been other pep talks I've been a part of. Some of those pep talks involve my dad and a belt. 
Uh huh. Anybody else have those pep talks? And dad would pep talk me into uh, not doing what I did again, what I had just done, right? And it worked. It was pretty effective pep talk, uh, as were the ones before video games. Other times, it's just been friends or my wife or my children to come alongside and say, how you doing? And then just kind of talk to you and speak to you and encourage you and call you and tell you you can do it and keep going. And so pep talks have been necessary all the days of my life. But today, we're going to look at a man by the name of David, who found himself oftentimes in need of a pep talk. Oftentimes, what I've learned about life is that we put ourselves in circumstances and situations based upon our own selfish desires that really harm uh, the best that God has for us. Can you agree with that statement? Maybe our finances. Y'all still out there? It may be that we've made some, you know, unbiblical decisions in our finances and put ourselves in a mess, maybe in our marriages, maybe in our single life, maybe in our parenting, maybe in our childhood, maybe in our friendships. And when we do that, we disappoint ourselves and disappoint others, and we cause all kind of wreckage, if you will. Well, David was a man who was familiar with that. He had done some uh, things, some, some, some situations. He had committed adultery, not only that, but murder and lying, all kinds of things. And there were days in which I'm certain that he needed a pep talk. And so today we're going to look into a time, listen to this, when he gave himself one. You with me? You ever look yourself in the mirror, give yourself a little pep talk? How many of you, seriously, how many have ever told yourself you can do this? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Simple little pep talk. You can do this. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my pep talks as we go along. But what I want to do is invite you on your feet now, if you would, in honor of reading God's Word. And I would like to read Psalm 103, 1 through 10 with you. And then after we read it, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back. It's called expository style preaching. It means we're going to take a verse at a time and go through and find out the meaning of the text and also look at it one verse at a time. And uh, we found that to be very effective around here, haven't we, uh, Hickory Ridge folk? Yes. And God has blessed us and taught us, and he continues to do that. So here we go. Psalm of David. Think about his life, all that he'd been through. And now he is speaking to himself and, and challenging himself to rise up. All right? So the title of our message is A Very Necessary Pep Talk. Okay? Now, while you're standing, and I've got your full undivided attention, I want to let you know why I'm not in Acts 9. I thought I was going to be in Acts 9, and yet I had a few days this week, okay, where I got a little disheartened. You ever been there? Anybody but me ever been there? Raise your hand if you've ever been disheartened. So, disheartened meaning, uh, you've heard me say before, I've not watched the news in probably five years. And I always get a bunch of religious folks say, well, you need to watch the news to know the end times. No, I don't. I'm supposed to wake up today thinking today's the day he's coming back. And I live that way, all right? So, uh, you do you, I'll do me, amen? And I'll love you and encourage you all the way around, but I don't need the news to tell me I'm supposed to live today like Jesus is coming back today, all right? Now, uh, I sometimes accidentally stumble on the news. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Maybe on social media, maybe at the gym, be on the TV and what have you, different things. And I don't know, I watched about, I accidentally watched about 10 minutes a couple of days this week. And I'm telling you, man, I remembered why I quit watching it. I'm telling you, the world in which we live is an absolute train wreck. It's a train wreck. And the things that I see now, I can't believe I see. Anybody else to say that? I just can't believe I see them and hear them. And so then on top of that, uh, you've got the complexities of life, marriage, parenting, right? And so those things are wearing down on you. And then uh, some, some situations happen in the lives of other people, uh, right, that I, I deal with on a daily basis. And the weight of that piles on you. And if you're not careful, you'll look up and you'll be like Elijah. Like I, I was a couple days a week, I was sitting under the broom tree. And I just did, I wanted to go hide somewhere. And so God said, I'm going to give you a word, and then I want you to give this word to my people. And so that's, what we're, that's why we're in Psalm 103 today. Okay, that good with you guys? All right, here we go. Let's read beginning in verse number one. Bless the Lord. Now, who's he talking to? 
O my soul. Who's talking? David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm praying that for somebody in here today. Verse 6, the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger, y'all help me, forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? All right, let's bow our heads together for just a moment, okay? Father, in Jesus' name, I come before you once again, and I first thank you for the blessed privilege of talking to you. I should not be able, but because of the precious blood of your son Jesus, I'm able to talk to you one-on-one. So, Lord, would you help me now to preach this word, the assignment is too big unless you do it. So, Father, would you take the little time of study and preparation and breathe on it? And may your Holy Spirit preach through me in such a way we leave out of here and know everything we heard made sense and that we might be convicted and encouraged and healed, uh, all that you want to accomplish through your word. And Lord, also as you preach through me, remind us today you use anybody, anywhere, and at any time. Meaning this, Lord. Speak to your people to say, if you can use me, you can certainly use them. Now, Lord, would you also speak to my heart? Because, God, there are days when I get downtrodden, and there are days when many in here get downtrodden. And so, Lord, would you today, like a father to his sons and daughters, sit us down at the table and have an encouraging talk with us, talk us out of the cave, talk us away from the edge of the ledge, talk us out of uh, getting under that broom tree, and help us to get up and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said, amen, amen, and amen. Now, you guys got to interact a little bit with me now. Y'all just kind of staring at me a little bit, and, and early worship did me like that, but I'm counting on y'all not to do me like that this morning, okay? Now, what do you mean by that? If you're our guest today, we interact with each other. This isn't some, uh, you know, st- stone-cold lectionary time. This is me and you breaking open the bread of life and, in, and interacting together. I need it as much as you need it. But just don't stare at me like you're looking at a calf at a new gate, okay? That'd be all right. Can you do that? Every once in a while, smile, grimace, do something, all right, so that I know that you've not dozed off on me. Young people, thank you for being in the room with us. Amen? Mom and dad, thank you for bringing them. Grandmom, granddad, thank you for having them. They need to be under the preached word of God. Thank you for having them here. Young people, as you hear the message unfold, Maybe you draw a picture of David talking to himself. You may draw a picture of David talking to David. Isn't that crazy? And so maybe you draw a picture based on what you hear today, and we'd all leave out of here better for it. And I love seeing my little artists. Boy, they, we've got some, by the way, we've got some young artists in the room. And as you draw, every once in a while, check mom and dad, make sure they hadn't dozed off, because just like you, young person, they need to hear what God has to say today, okay? So rewinding back to the beginning, title of the message is, A Very Necessary Pep Talk, okay? A Very Necessary Pep Talk. And as we go through what we go through today, I'm going to encourage you not to have this pep talk with your wife or your husband or the person that you wish was here. 
I want you to have this pep talk with yourself this morning. Amen? The one who's occupying your chair, you. And I pray it would make application. And the arrow of God's word would find its mark in your heart. Somebody said, what? Yeah, like an arrow. Pierce your heart. Not to destroy you, but to build you up. All right? So here we go. The main idea of verses 1 through 10, write it in your notes somewhere. It is simply this. Get up and praise the Lord. Get up. And praise the Lord. That is, in fact, what David was saying to his soul. Okay? Get up and praise the Lord. If you leave out of here, I pray that somebody says, Hey, man, what would you do Sunday? Oh, well, I gathered with the people of God. I saw a bunch of little babies. Uh, right? We have a bunch of little babies around here. And people, a bunch of people pregnant, I'm telling you. And God just keeps building our little army. Amen? And we're praying for them as they be his little army. We want to shape them and mold them. But as we do that, listen, uh, I want you to consider these great truths. Okay? So the main idea, get up and praise the Lord, number one. Now, there are going to be about five of these this morning. Okay? Five individual points I'd like to make point back to get up and praise the Lord. Number two is going to have a list of five. Let me watch your face. Some of y'all looking like, oh man, we're going to be here forever. No, we won't. We got to get to lunch. Some of y'all look hungry. All right. So Roman number one in your notes, write this down. Okay. We're talking about a very necessary pep talk. David has it with himself. Number one, he extends a challenge to himself. So we're going to write it this way. A challenge to me to praise God with my whole heart. Okay. That's where we're going to begin. A challenge. Why, why would I call it a challenge? Uh, because sometimes it's challenging, isn't it? To praise the Lord. Any of you ever have a tough time praising God in your life? Anybody besides me? I may be the only unspiritual person in the whole room. I'm, I'm in a room full of spiritual superstars. And, uh, and, but maybe, maybe there's another couple of somebodies like me. And sometimes life has a way of throwing you curveballs. But not just throwing curveballs that you swing and miss at, but curveballs that hit you right in the face. Huh? And you're looking around thinking, what in the world is happening? What about life? And what about marriage? And what about single life? And what about parenting? And what about finances? And you just find yourself not knowing what to do next. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves hiding in a cave of discouragement, despair, depression, anxiety, all kinds of things that will defeat us in this life. So get up and praise the Lord. Number one, a challenge to me to praise God with my whole heart. Look in verse number one with me. Y'all there? Somebody, amen? Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, see, he's talking to himself, bless his holy name. You ever have conversations with yourself sometimes? You decide what you're going to do next. You weigh your options. How do you do that? There's a little conversation going on in your head, isn't it? Uh, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should eat that. Maybe I want this. Maybe I want that. Any of y'all like me talk back to yourself a little bit from time to time? Yeah. And so for me, this talk that he's having with himself, I want you to imagine David sitting down with himself and saying to himself, bless the Lord, O my soul. And don't just bless him on Sunday morning in a song, but bless him with the way you live your life and bless him with your attitude and bless him with your gratitude and bless him with your generosity and bless him with all areas of your life because he is worthy. And so David says to himself, bless the Lord. Sometimes I have to have a pep talk with myself. I get to thinking about life and situations and circumstances. And you guys realize I'm involved with a lot of lives. Can you, can you fathom that for just a minute? We have 550 chairs in this room. Most every one of them is taken this time. Most every one of them is taken in the early service. And there are people in overflow in different spaces. And so you can understand. And that's when most of us, about once a, once a month, we miss a Sunday. So you do the math on that. And you'll find out there are a lot of lives represented here. And oftentimes, I'm not only dealing with the things in my life, but I'm thinking and hearing about the things that are going on in your lives. I mean, life, let me just say this to you. Life can get heavy, can it? 
And in the midst of that, and, and, and I would say this to you, we have to be careful because we have a tendency to look at our lives and look at other people's lives and figure out that our lives, well, we shouldn't be heavy because this person's got more going on. Or, or we look at somebody else and say, that situation's not that bad. They should be okay. And boy, we find ourselves in all kind of messes when we don't realize that all of, listen to me, all of us are going through something. Did you know that? Look to the person to the left of you real quick. Now, don't stare at them. They'll feel weird. Just glance at them. Give them a little glance. Don't they look good this morning? You may not even know it. Look, they, look how good they look. But listen to me. Listen to me. You may not realize it, but everybody in here is going through something. Look at the person to the right of you. Them too. I would say turn around, but that can get really awkward. <laughs> but understand that every person within the sound of my voice, even the guy who's preaching, is going through some things on a daily basis. Do you understand that this morning? Would you say amen? So it's not just you. And you're not just unique to that, but all of us are going through something. And so because of that, we also need to have this very important pep talk with ourselves this morning where we look to ourselves and say, hey, listen, bless the Lord with your whole heart. Get up and praise the Lord. And yet at the same time, it almost sounds offensive to us when something devastating has happened. Wouldn't you agree? I won't ever forget the time I was at the side of a loved one who lost a child recently. I mean, in the last couple of days back when this happened. And I watched somebody walk up to them and say, you ought to just praise the Lord because they're home in heaven. And I remember looking over at that mom and I didn't want to stare, but I just sort of glanced over. I just kind of wanted to see. And I saw those little hot tears rolling down her cheeks, you know. She's trying to force that praise the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? Because sometimes you just don't feel like praising the Lord, right? And it's in those moments when we really need to have a pep talk with ourselves, the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God to say, bless the Lord with my whole heart. Now, what I want to do moving forward in this logical order of flow, David is now going to take and tell us how that's even possible, okay? So if you will, move on with me as we move right on through. Now remember, this challenge, he was, he was challenging himself. Come on, come on, bless. I want you to see for a minute if you could, David taking David by the nape of the neck. You with me? And, and grabbing himself by the collar and saying, now, come on, praise the Lord. And uh, oftentimes I do that in my bathroom. Can you believe that? Now I don't take myself by the nape of the neck. Some of y'all are like, really? That's weird. But I do. Listen, now, this is weird. I get nose to nose with myself sometimes in that mirror and say, come on, son, what are you complaining about? Why are you feeling, why are you downtrodden? Oh, my soul. And I go through this list of things that I'm about to share with you. I pray that you would do. I pray it'd be the, the exercise of your life that when you feel the heaviness of life, stealing away your joy, that you would have these five things stored away in your heart, written down on a note card, put somewhere in your car in a, in a sticky note, written out on five particular uh, note cards, that you'd memorize them, you'd think about them, and they would be your, listen, they'd be your key out of the prison of despair. Here we go. You ready? Roman number two, personal instruction in how to praise God in every season and situation. So number one was the challenge to do it, but number two is the how-to, okay? And the how-to we go about instruction into how to praise God in every season. Now, if I was to umbrella the instruction, it would be this. Don't forget the benefits, right? If I was to make an umbrella statement to you from David, how do I not, how do I not have something steal my praise? How do I not find myself in a season of complaining and despair? How do I ever do that? I would say to you, don't forget the benefits. But what David's going to do is he's going to take that umbrella statement and then give us a list of five things that are part of the great benefits of God. By the way, have you forgotten, child of God, your benefits package? You say, oh, no, 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 I know my benefits package. Well, let me ask this question of you. What then have you allowed to steal away your praise? Who is big enough in this life to damage you so much that you have ceased to praise the Lord with your whole heart? 
might I introduce to you that whoever they are, whatever the situation, pales in comparison to who we're about to look into one detail at a time. So let's dive in. Are you ready? Here we go. Always, always remember his acts of kindness. Right? Always. Now I want to tell you two times that we forget them. You ready? Two times. You might write it down. You might just store it in your heart. Two things that we do. Two times we, 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 we forget. Number one, let's be honest. It's not, it's not hard. Listen, it's, it's very easy to forget the benefits of God when life is in shambles. Would you agree with that statement? It's very easy to forget the benefits of God when life is in ruin, when life has come unraveled. But there's a second time it's easy to forget the benefits of God. Are you ready? When life is going really well. When the bills are paid, when there's no diagnosis, when, when we're just sort of clicking along and our, our, we're, you know, we're, we're just kind of going along, we're not, nobody's sick and everybody's well, and we have a tendency, both when life is in shambles and when life is really, really good, to forget the benefits of God. Now, I want you to remind you this morning of God's instruction to the children of Israel. You remember, before they crossed over the river, there was a warning that he gave them. And he gave it to them over and over in different ways. And here's what he would say. I'm paraphrasing. But over and over, God would say to them, hey, when you get across the river and you're eating those fat grapes, there's a little paraphrase. And your belly's full and your houses are built. You know what he told them? Don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. Now we know their history. What happened? Mm, they forgot about him. And yet we can't pass judgment too strong because you and I, we tend to forget about him. So here we go. Ready? Five reasons that you and I can praise him in every season. Number one. You ready? Five unchanging reasons to always praise the Lord. David's talking to himself. Now, by the way, you might under, not understand David's situation. David has committed adultery, all right, when he should have been out waging war. Instead, he was being unfaithful to somebody else's wife. Not only that, but listen, he caused him to go out into the battlefield and be killed, uh, the, 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 the husband of the woman uh, who he had been with. He not only did that, but he lied about it. He did all kinds of underhanded things, and he's experienced this. He's had a, a child to die, right? One child uh, to die. Uh, she was the baby that was created died because of a consequence of what was going on. But not only that, I want you to think about some of the other things that David went through. Are you ready? How about having your son chase you down, try to kill you for a long time? You know, Absalom and the stories of him chasing his dad from cave to cave and his desire was to kill his daddy. And not only that, but I want you to think about how many of you know the way that Absalom's life ended? His son, Absalom. And so what's happened is he had long hair, and he's riding around one day, and his hair gets caught in a branch. Did you know that? And uh, Absalom's leader uh, at the time, actually David's leader, was Joab at the time. And, and David had instructed him not to touch Joab, or not to touch Absalom, not to take his life. Well, Joab comes across Absalom hanging from a limb there by his hair. And he takes the opportunity to run a spear through him. David knew pain and suffering, the likes of which most of us never experienced or gone through. And so now he's having this pep talk with it. Can I just tell you, David had reason, even in the midst of all of that, to get up and praise the Lord. So here we go. Number one in your notes. Write it down. And by the way, just smile. Flash a smile every once in a while so I know you're awake. All right? Now, some of y'all are going to get this because you've experienced Jesus. Some of y'all, you've just experienced church. So, well, you won't get it. You'll just stare at me. Others of you, it'll be a foreign idea to even begin to try to wrap your mind around the goodness and the magnitude of what God did in Christ his son and what he does in the life of born-again believers. But I hope that you will before you leave, okay? So, number one on the list is simply this. He has forgiven me, you ready, all of my sin. 
Now, I got a half-hearted amen in the back back there somewhere, and the rest of you are sort of looking at me. And I want you to listen. If you don't hear anything else today, that ought to make you want to stand up in your seat and wave your Bible in the air and shout glory, hallelujah, because in Jesus, the capacity is there for every single sin you and I have ever committed to be forgotten and forgiven. Now, I know, I'm, again, I'm probably in a room of people who've never really messed up. But boy, you're, you're looking, if you're looking at the front of the room, you're looking at the preacher right now, you're looking at a guy who has grossly sinned. Matter of fact, let's just take one commandment from the Lord, if you will, that commandment that says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You with me? And I would introduce to you this morning that every soul within the sound of my voice has broken that commandment. The God that you and I have placed before him is the God of our own flesh. We're born that way. We are pre-programmed to do it, right? And then we act on it. And so we are selfish, self-centered, and so all of us have worshipped us more than we worship God. Isn't that, aren't you glad you came this morning? And because of that, because I've done that, because you've done that, the Word of God says, if I keep all the rest of the law, and I'm very careful to do it, and I only stumble in that first one, not intentionally doing it, but doing it in stumbling, I'm guilty of the whole breaking of every single law that God ever gave. And so today, I want you to understand, I would, I shudder to think what it would be like if I had to stand before God based on my track record. And yet there's somebody in here that has the audacity to even think that one day God's just going to let you into heaven because you've done more good than bad. And what we understand is our, our idea of goodness is what's skewed. Are you with me? And so when we begin to understand the New Testament term for sin, we start waking up a little bit. What's the term? Hamartia. What does it mean? It's an archer's term. It means to take your bow and shoot an arrow and miss the dead center of the bullseye, which means every thought you've had today has missed the mark of God's perfection. Every deed you've done today has missed the mark of God's perfection. And so we're so much more in need of forgiveness than we could ever calculate. And so today, no matter what you're facing, no matter who's done you wrong, no matter who's betrayed you, no matter what your finances look like, no matter what the doctor said about your diagnosis, no matter how your child is living, how your boyfriend or girlfriend is treating you, listen to me when I tell you this, if you are in Jesus Christ, I want you to understand all of your sin has been forgiven. If there were not four other reasons on the list, number one was enough, amen? I can look in the mirror sometimes, I'll say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, big boy, you're saved. He forgave you. See, some of y'all aren't like me. Some of y'all are. You, you wake up with those flashbacks. Anybody know what I'm talking about? From the past, things you did, things you can't believe you did. Things that when you tell people now, they say, you didn't do that. And yet, you know deep down in your heart, it was you that did it. And I think back to that, I call it a little bit of PTSD probably in psychological circles. They say, you mean you have that? Yeah, yeah, not because I, you know, uh, valiantly defended my country in a war, but because I took myself into some very traumatic situations. And yet, in the midst of that, I know today he's forgiven me. Listen to me. Lean in for a minute. All of my sin. If you and I could load us all up on a bus, we couldn't. Ain't a bus this big. And we could travel to the courtroom of heaven today. We could all go on a search for the rest of eternity and not find one shred of evidence that I ever broke one of God's commands. Hallelujah to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Not one shred of evidence. Now, I wish some of y'all going to get that when you get home at lunch. You're going to be thinking about, oh! I see what he's saying. I'm completely forgiven. It's as if I never sinned. So number one in the list, he has forgiven all, me all of my sin. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. Here's what it says. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, Paul to the church at Colossae, he has made you alive together with him. Here it is. You ready? Having forgiven you all trespasses. I wish somebody here today would walk out of that prison of guilt and shame paralyzed by regret 
And to know that if you are in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Now, I need to pause here and give a disclaimer. That'd be all right? Hey, if anybody's asleep, wake them up right now. They need to hear this. Because somebody's dozed off to the melodic tomb of my voice (laughs) and decided to go to sleep because I'm so smooth and even keeled. And they heard this as they dozed off. Hey, these are the promises that I have. I'm good. And I need to wake you up for a minute and say, everybody is not a child of God. And this list of five benefits does not belong to the person who's lived a good life because really there is nobody. It does not belong to the person who's extremely religious, who goes to church in order to be saved, who does good deeds or who tries this and tries it, gives all their money to the poor. These, these five, this list of five only belongs to those who have come to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son, his death and resurrection. So don't assume as you've drifted off to my, like I said, monotone voice, assuming that these five apply to you. Only if you have been born again, okay? Now, number one was he's forgiven all my sin. All my sin. You don't have to walk in with your head down. He's forgiven you all. Somebody today needs to hear him say, bless the Lord, O my soul, because all your sin is forgiven. Now, rise up. Get up and praise the Lord. Amen? That's what we ought to hear today. Number two, number two, as David's walking through this list, in verse number three, he says, first two, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. There's a colon, which means there's a list to come next. He uh, forgives all your inequities. And the next part of verse three is number two. He heals all my diseases. Would you write that down? He heals all your diseases. Now, let me ask you a question. Somebody in here saying, yeah, well, that's a strange thing to say because I know my dad was born again, at least the best I could tell, and based on his testimony, and yet the disease got him. The disease took him out. The disease won. Let me remind you that for the child of God, God sometimes chooses to heal someone temporarily. Sometimes he chooses to heal them permanently. Let me explain if I might. If I was to contract cancer, one of you maybe here today has cancer. God has. I've seen him do it on many occasions. Reach down and touch somebody and heal them immediately. I've heard doctors say with me in the room, I don't understand what's going on. It was here. Here's the picture. Here's the, I love it, man. I love to just sit there and smile, you know. And they say, I can't explain it. We can't explain it. Medicine can't explain it. I say, thank God we don't have to just depend on medicine. Amen. We're thankful for it. We're thankful for people who study it and give it to us. But praise God, he's bigger than all of that. And they say, we don't know what to do. I say, well, let me just take a name. His name is Jesus. And then there are other times, there are other times when God chooses, so God chooses people temporarily. Now, what happens? This is what I've learned about that. I know people who've been healed of cancer and later on diabetes took them out. You know why? We're all going to die. So that's why I say a temporary healing. If he heals you of whatever you're going through or whatever you're facing right now, guess what? In order for you to get out of here, guess what you got to do? You got to die. You have got to die, and you're going to die, amen, unless the Lord Jesus comes back. You one day are going to die, and that's not a bad thing for the child of God. Hallelujah, it's a good thing, amen. By the way, I'm so thankful I'm not stuck down here forever. I'm loving my journey, but I thank God that somebody's going to tell me, hey, you got about a thousand more years of this. Woo, hallelujah, no way, man, I don't know if I could take it. Huh? I mean, I'm just 45, almost 46 years in, and I had some bad days this week where I just sort of was, man, I had some, some, some heavy thoughts, some heavy heart, right? Can you imagine a thousand and forty-five years if I had to deal with all this? And you had to deal with all this? And so sometimes God chooses on a grander scale to heal permanently. And for the child of God, cancer cannot win. It can only be used as a vehicle to bring God's children home. So never say cancer won, hallelujah. 
You might say, God used cancer to bring my granddaddy home. I want you to understand today that he heals all our diseases. Can you imagine a time in the future? Let's just pick a number. 500 years from now. Now again, not everybody in here. I won't assume everybody in here is born again. Some of y'all are, gonna, are not going to ever choose Jesus and you're going to be in a lake of fire and that tears me up. Tears me up because you look good and you're valuable and Jesus died for you, but the truth is you're just never going to really surrender to him. And you'll be in a lake of fire 500 years from now and that breaks my heart. But others of you, 500 years from now, we'll be walking around together and not even remembering the sufferings of this life. And we'll never have to put anybody on a ventilator again. And nobody will ever have. Chemotherapy will be a word we never even remember. And radiation and all the things that we have to go through down here because of fallen bodies in a fallen world. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ died for us and rose again? There's a future for us. Amen. So we can, in every situation, be encouraged. He forgives all my sin. He heals all my diseases. And thirdly, he rescued me from death. I wish somebody would pick this up this morning. I've got about two people smiling so far. And I'm praying that, you know, the other 549 of y'all come on, amen, uh, before we land the plane. And we're getting there, right? So you've already heard some great stuff. Listen to what verse 4 says. Uh, he heals all our diseases, verse 3, verse 4, who redeems your life from destruction. Number 3 in your notes, write this, he rescued me from death. So let's just say I found out that one of my children is, is addicted to drugs or, or my uh, business partner is betraying me, stealing money from me, and I find myself downtrodden, if you will. My heart is heavy. I need to have a pep talk this morning, amen? And the pep talk I need to have first starts with this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. With your whole heart, bless God. In the middle of the pain, bless him. In the middle of the discouragement, bless him. In the confusion and disappointment, bless his name. Why? Because, number one, he's forgiven all my sin. Nothing, your business partner, your spouse, your children, anybody you ever did can take that away from you. He has forgiven all our sin, and he heals all our diseases. And third, he rescued me from death. Verse number four, he redeems my life. That word for destruction there literally means sheol or the grave. And I'm reminded of a conversation that Jesus had with Mary and Martha. Y'all remember when their brother was sick? He was sick and Jesus delayed coming. And because he delayed coming, anybody know what happened to their brother Lazarus? He died. And the scripture says that Jesus did that intentionally. Huh. And he did it intentionally because he wanted to not heal a sick man. He wanted to resurrect a dead man. And on his way there, you remember the sisters met him. They were aggravated with him. And we understand that. In pain, sometimes we act in anger, don't we? Listen to me. Here's a principle you need to know about mankind. Sometimes we do the wrong thing from a right place. A right place of love will cause us to do a wrong thing. Okay? Not Jesus, though. And so Jesus waits. He goes. And then his sisters come. And they say, if you'd have been here. Do you remember what they told him? Our brother would still be alive. And Jesus said, your brother will live again. And one of the sisters said, yeah, in the resurrection. He said, no, 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 I am the resurrection and the life. You remember? He said, if anyone believes in me, listen closely, he shall never die. He said, wait a minute, preacher. You just told us we're all going to die. This word for death means a separation from God for eternity. And here's what I know about me because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. One of these days I'm going to shed this body. Paul called this body the body of death. Why do you refer to it as that? Romans chapter 7, I still have a sin nature. As long as I'm in this body, I'll still have the capacity and the desire to do the wrong thing. But when I die, glory to the Lamb of God, 
I'll be shed of that desire anymore. And all my desires will be holy and righteous and pure. Can you imagine what it would be like one day not to have to deal with your own selfish nature? Woo, heaven's going to be good, isn't it? And so he said he saves us from death. And though we will never be separated from God because of Jesus. I'm telling you, we got reasons. I know, listen, I'm not discounting what you're going through. I'm not saying your childhood wasn't hard. I'm not saying that the abuse didn't scar you. I'm not saying that the betrayal hadn't pierced your heart. I'm not saying that life is not hard. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if David can say to his own heart, in the midst of all that he went through, bless the Lord, O my soul, so can you. So can you. And God is saying to some of you, he's sitting you down, I'm telling you, as a loving daddy does his children. And he's saying to you, now it's time for you to stop wallowing in your pity. And in your grief and regret. And it's time for you to get up and praise the Lord. It's time for you to come out of that cave. Hallelujah. You with me? It's time for you to get out from under that broom tree. Contemplating his life worth living. Of course it's worth living. Amen? Because Jesus rose from the dead. All right. Y'all going to get excited about that sometime. Sometime. All right. Just not today. Sometime. All right. Here we go. So number three. He rescued me from death. Number four. We're going through a list of five. He gives me steadfast love and tender mercy. I want you to think about this one for a minute. You think David could talk about steadfast love? That steadfast love is the word has said in the, in the Hebrew. You know what it means? It means unfailing love. Isn't it interesting that David would choose that word? Why? Because he tested God's love, didn't he? He failed. He did miserable things. He did horrible things. But guess what? God still loved him. Aren't you thankful that though you've done some terrible things? Come on, somebody. God still loves you. I was thinking about application of this to my own life and Here's what he says. I'm going to read that verse. You put your eyes there with me, if you will. It's verse number four. Y'all there? He redeems your life from destruction who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. The picture is of someone at an athletic event who is an authority, who has the right credentials to place on the runner in the race a crown. And this particular crown is not a crown of gold or silver, but this particular crown is one of steadfast love. It's, it's love that you can't outrun. It's love that you can't mess up. Oh, I'm thankful unto God today. Because let me say this to you today. The way in which I live my life for a long time, if there was any way to drain dry the well of God's love, I'd have done it. But let me tell you what I've learned firsthand. You can't. You can't drain dry the well of God's love. Unfailing, steadfast love. Don't you tell me your circumstances have stolen your praise. When there's a God who loves you no matter what you've done or where you've been, and you can't change his mind. You've got reason to get up and praise the Lord. No longer complaining and frustrated and depressed about life, but raising up to be reminded you are a child of the king. Amen. And then he said tender mercy. I'm so thankful that his mercy doesn't get baked out in this Mississippi August heat. But it's tender. Mercy meaning you don't get what you deserve. And it's new every morning. Now we move on to number five. Can you believe that we've come to this list of five already so quickly? You said, yeah, but we still got three more major points. Just hang on. Don't get ahead of yourself. Number five, verse number five, he satisfies my desires with good. Now let me, let me just write it down, then I'm going to explain it. He satisfies my desires with good. It's verse number five. Y'all reading with me? Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's having a pep talk. Number five, he says, who satisfies your mouth with, y'all help me, Good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, how many of you know that uh, satisfaction is the opposite of want to? Want. You with me? Would you agree with me that want is a powerful motivator? 
Of course it is. You know why? You do the things that you want to do. And so want is a powerful motivator. It's a painful thing. If you don't believe it, find yourself wanting something that doesn't honor God and fight that fight. And you'll find out that want is a very painful thing. And what he's saying, David is saying is, I can bless the Lord because God satisfies my old sinful, painful want to of all the things of this world that the world just offers me temporary fixes and smoking mirrors that lead me away into a place of destruction. God can supply that which nourishes and satisfies in such a way that I will not lose my strength and be depleted in life, but instead I'll be like an eagle with new strength because God is the one who satisfies me with that which is good. Well, I'm so thankful that he changed me. And I'm so thankful today, listen, that he's changing me. And that I'm a work in progress and he'll never stop. He'll never stop. Hallelujah. He satisfies my desires with good. Can anybody in here say you used to have some bad desires? Can any of the same ones that have been born again say he's replaced those desires with that which is good? I never in a million years would have thought I would have enjoyed gathering as the church. Some of y'all, I love that look. People in here don't know me. They're like, oh, I went to Hickory Ridge and the preacher said when he was little, he hated going to church. And he said he didn't think he could ever. That's exactly what I said. You can quote it. But boy, when I began to realize that it's the great resource of God, and it's a group of misfits, not perfect people, right? People who are jacked up, hot messes, on a journey, becoming more like Jesus together. And I needed together. You know what? Because my family was a mess. And I'm just so thankful today for this family. So number three in your notes, Roman numeral three, quickly, we're going to hit these quick. God is always right. Now write that. Let me just kind of walk through. I can have a pep talk with myself by telling myself and reminding myself God is always right. But boy, if you watch the news, you say, well, okay, where are you, Lord? What does verse six say? Y'all help me. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for who? What about the, what about the genocide in the Sudan? What about the hungry on the streets of Jackson, Mississippi? I love that look because you were just sort of going through this thing and right now I just sort of hit the brakes on you a little bit. And if I was to invite you up to the platform to say, hey, would you come and explain to me how the Word of God says the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. There are oppressed people on every continent, on every neighborhood, in every area. Sometimes it's the tone of our skin. Sometimes it's our height. Sometimes it's our education level. Sometimes it's gender. Sometimes it's, oh, I'm telling you, we, we humans are creative in the ways in which we choose to judge somebody and make them less than us. Why? Because we want more for ourselves. So how then can he say... God is what? Executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Here's what I want you to just write down your notes there. In his time. Just write that in your notes somewhere. When? In his time. Listen to me, precious friend. One day, justice will prevail. There's coming a time where every wicked deed will be, y'all tracking with me? Will be recompensed. There's coming a time where every evil nation, tongue, and tribe will be dealt with, not by you and me, not by the, the high courts of the United States of America, but by the living God. There's coming a day where justice will prevail and all will be made right. Until such a day, he's given us his spirit, his word, and his church to help us and to also be the voice for those who are oppressed all around the world. But let me say this to you. You ever heard this statement? I've read the end of the book and we, come on. We win. Let me correct that phrase if I could. I've read the end of the book and he wins. And I get to, be a, I get to just sort of be a part of that. He wins. 
And so maybe you cut on the news, and I was down trying. I'm like, man, listen how people are doing each other. And look what, look at how wickedness is. It seems like wickedness is prevailing, and my mind just begins to realize. I say, wait, 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 wait. It won't be this way forever. There's coming a day when he's going to settle it all. Are you with me? And everything will be made right. Aren't you glad that Jesus came to reverse the curse? Amen. Hallelujah. Number four, all right? That was three. God is right, always right. Number four, God has given us instruction and insight. Write it down. If y'all listen quick now, I'm going to get you out of here a little early for lunch. See there? I got an amen. Amen. Number four, God has given us instruction and insight. Where do you see it? Verse number seven. Read with me. He made known his ways to who? Moses. His acts to the children of Israel. How does that apply to me and you? He's made his ways known to us as well. How has he made his ways known to me and you? Word of God. Spirit of God. And he even uses the church. Three great resources of God to help us understand his ways, instructions, and how to live our lives according to his, his, his plan. So I'm thankful. You say, what do you mean? Can you imagine where you'd be today if you didn't have the word of God? In a word, here's where you and I'd be. Ready? Here's the word. Here's where we'd be. Lost. You remember Paul told Timothy to hang close to the Holy Scriptures that were able to make him wise to salvation. So where did you learn that you were a sinner? Where did you learn that you were in need of a Savior? Where did you learn that God sent His only Son? Where did you learn that from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, it was God's magnificent plan to redeem man and bring him to, it, to us to Himself? It was in your Bible. It was in the Holy Word of God. So God has given us instruction. You can have encouragement there. And then finally, number five. Can you believe we've gotten there? Number five, Psalm 103, verses 8, 9, and 10. Write this down. His grace is sufficient. I can say, bless the Lord. But wait a minute, this has happened. Bless the Lord. But wait a minute, that's happened. Bless the Lord. Why? Oh, we've just talked about a bunch of reasons, haven't we? And finally, number five, his grace is sufficient. Let me read verse 8, 9, and 10. The Lord is, somebody help me, merciful. Come on now, we don't limp to the finish line. The Lord is, and he's also gracious. He's merciful and he's gracious. He's not giving me what I deserved, and he's giving me what I do not deserve. God has done that. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Here's a word that explains God. Slow to anger. Now, is there a person in the room? Y'all look at me for a minute. I know you're writing, but I want you to look at me. Is there anybody here that knows anybody has a hot temper? <laughs> I love that. Both services are like, oh, yes. <laughs> you know what? I had a lady in the, in the early worship. I, did, I couldn't see who it was, but she said right away, she said, me. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. And so, you know somebody who's quick-tempered, Right? They're sort of dangerous to be around sometimes, aren't they? You might get the tongue lashing. You might get a physical lashing. You, never, you, know, you just never know. What a... Can you imagine for just a minute if God was quick-tempered? Can you imagine the, the first time that you did opposite of what he wanted? His, his anger was just explosive. Here's what happened. You ready? This room would be empty. There wouldn't be nobody here to preach. There wouldn't be anybody here to listen. He'd just zapped us. He'd have crispied our critters a long time ago, wouldn't he? Yeah. But he's, in fact, slow to anger. Man, you, you start focusing on your temporary circumstances and what's happened to you and what's going on. And again, I'm not discounting them. I'm not saying it didn't hurt. I'm not saying it didn't have an effect on you. But what I'm saying to you is you still have reason to get up and praise the Lord. And in the midst of all this, to know that that his grace is always present for me. 
That's what keeps me going most days, right? And that God is slow to anger. When I look back on my life, and there were many times that I say this all the time, God should have killed me. But his love for me was too great. Reading a little further, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Reading forward, verse 9, you need to hear this. Because when you read verse 8, you hear David having a pep talk, and you say, man, God's this great big granddaddy. You know? And it doesn't matter if I sin. It doesn't matter how I live my life. That, you know, Dr. Phil will tell you and Oprah will tell you that, hey, you know, God's good and, and, and all roads lead home, which is a lie. And so verse 9, as he's flowing, he's saying God is gracious and God is merciful and God is kind. And he's having this pep talk with himself like, hey, get up, man. Get up and praise the Lord. Don't let your circumstances make you depressed and anxious and downtrodden. Get up and praise him. You've got a reason. And then he says, and he's loving, kind, and gracious and merciful. But then he says, huh, verse 9. But don't forget this. Y'all reading with me? All eyes on verse 9. You need to hear this. Verse 9. He will not always, help me somebody, strive with us. The word there is a picture of two people wrestling. When I woke up this morning, and I was praying about 5.30 this morning, you know, what, you know what picture I got? I got picture in my head of God wrestling with every single person who's here, including myself. And the truth is, if we got asked, hey, would you, you know, Kelly, would you like to wrestle with God? Nah, you know what? <laughs> Let me pass. But aren't we thankful that he does? Because he'll wrestle us and win. And he'll wrestle us to a place sometimes of submission. And I want you to think about it right here. He said, God's not always going to wrestle with you. And what I know is right now in your chair, God's wrestling with you. And some of you are facing the most difficult season of your whole entire life. And you, right now your flesh is trying to say, yeah, this sounds good, but this has happened. You need to keep, keep complaining. Keep quiet. Keep crying. Keep your head down. Keep in the cave. Stay under the broom tree. And God's wrestling with you. What is he wrestling with you for? To hurt you? No. He's wrestling with you to get you out of the cave. Come on out of there. He's meeting you under the broom tree and he's wrestling with you saying, come on out of that way of thinking. I still have good plans for your life. There's still a day to live. And he's wrestling and he's striving. But here's what David's saying. He won't always. And so if he's striving with you today, if he's wrestling with you today, I beg you on his behalf, let him win. Let him win and come out of that cave. Let him win and stop being mediocre. Let him win and stop praising the nonsense of this world. I'm telling you, Taylor Swift gets more praise than God does down here. And I'm calling you out of, not just out of the pain and the suffering, but also if you're on the mountain and things are going good, and man, life is going well, and the diagnosis is good, and you've got money in the bank, and your work is going well, and you're happy, and I'm challenging you to stop resisting praising him just because life is easy at this particular moment. He will not strive with you forever. Let me read a little further. Nor, y'all reading with me, verse 9? Nor will he, so he won't always wrestle with us with the intent to help us. On the flip side of the coin, he also will not keep his anger forever. Now, I thought God's a great big teddy bear God. He just wants to hug me. Yeah, he wants to, he'll wrestle you into that hug, but if you keep resisting, equal with God's mercy and forgiveness is God's wrath and judgment. They're perfectly balanced. Now, me and you can never get that concept, but it's true nonetheless. It's only hard for us to understand because he's God and we're not. And so 
David said, here's the pep talk I need to have with myself sometime. Hey, listen, sometimes the pep talk says, come on, get up and praise him. Come on, get up. Sometimes it says, hey, you better go ahead and submit to him. Because, help me somebody, he won't always wrestle with you. He won't always try to fight you into a place of forgiveness and peace and joy. He won't always do that. Sometimes he'll stop wrestling with you and say, you can have it your way. And what a dangerous place to find ourselves. Closing with verse number 10. You there with me? Verse 10, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. Can you imagine if your life had been recorded, every detail of it? Anybody still out there? Every detail, every conversation, everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done, every thought you've ever had. And we all sat through and got to watch each other's. And yet they were. The Word of God says he was recorded in a book. Huh? Somebody like, wait, I hadn't read that. Just hang on. But we learn that through Jesus Christ, he'll blot out our sin. That word means to have those, those pages and all completely removed. Now, what he says is, he doesn't deal with us according to our sins. So, you and I broken God's laws. The punishment is separation from God. And he has not dealt with us according to that. Instead, here's what he did. Okay, read with me. He's not dealt with us according to our sin, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Instead, he punished Jesus according to our sin. And to understand the magnitude of God's grace and love, understand that as a perfect judge, he couldn't sweep our sin under the rug and act like it didn't happen. But in his mercy and grace, he poured it out on his son. And he makes an offer. You see, he's a gentleman. He could make you do anything he wanted to. He could. But he wanted love to be a free will decision. And so he makes the offer to you. Hey, I've made a way for you to know me. His name is Jesus. He's God's son. He left the throne of heaven, came down to this earth. Experienced all kind of ridicule. He didn't even have a home, you know, when he lived here. And then he went to the cross and died and took the punishment that we owed. And then they placed his body in the tomb. And on the third day, he rose again. And any person who would believe that in such a way to say, I don't want to be the Lord of my own life anymore. I want Jesus to be Lord. With that kind of love and that kind of power and that kind of, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Whosoever would call upon his name, the word of God says, shall be saved. No matter how tall you are, how light or dark you are, no matter what kind of language you speak, if today you'd call on the name of Jesus, you know what God will do in response? He'll save you. He'll forgive you. He'll call you his child. This morning, I'd like for you to bow your head with me for just a moment. Will you do that? Just in conclusion, if I could have those that are going to help me at the altar, go ahead and make your way down. Brian, I think, is going to help me. Is that right? Is Brian in here? Oh, there he is. Okay. And Taylor, would you help as well? Is Taylor in here? And Shane and Dawn, would you would y'all help as well for just a moment? I just believe there are going to be a lot of folk just today to say, just hey, would you just pray for me? Now, the invitation begins here. There's some folk in this room in need of a pep talk. And today, God's given it to you. 
But maybe to seal that today would be to come to this altar and say, hey, would you pray for me? Ladies, Taylor's down here and Dawn's down here. And you might just get up and come down and say, you know what? Hey, I, don't, I just need you to pray that God would touch me and pull me out of the cave. I don't want to be in despair and discouragement and, and anxiety and frustration and, and, and depression anymore. I, want to, I don't want my circumstances to keep me in a place of quietness. I want to praise God. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite the group to stand to your feet with me. Will you do that? Make room for people to come out of their rows. And I pray in Jesus' name there'd be people right now coming to the altar and pray for people. Maybe you're not in a situation right now. Maybe you're walking close with the Lord. Maybe you didn't need a pep talk today. And so maybe you just come out of your chair and come down here and pray for somebody who does. Going to wait just a moment, okay? I believe God's wrestling with some folk this morning in a mighty way. And I wish you'd let him win. I wish you'd stop resisting him. He's trying to wrestle you into a place of peace and joy and purpose. Gonna just be still for a minute. Come on, there are those that are waiting to pray for you. Some of you got some heavy things going on. You don't have to share what it is. You just might come up, grab one of them by the hand, and say, Would you pray for them? They'll just begin to pray for you. Don't let your pride hold you in your chair. Don't leave out of here in the same prison you came in in. Come on, some of y'all need to make your way. Stop hesitating and, t- and wasting time. Come on, make your way out of your room. Come right down here and have one of these ladies and one of these guys pray for you. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait because I know there's some folk out there that need to move. Thank you. Some of y'all starting to kind of just stir out of your row there. Going to wait just a moment. There we go. People starting to move. Come on, you can get out of that. You don't have to worry about how far back in the room you are. Maybe you're in the overflow room and you just need to have come back. Hey, come out of there. Walk down the aisle. Come on down. There's ladies praying. There's guys praying. Come on, just make your way down. Come on, I see them. They're walking up just saying, will you pray for me? That's perfect. You don't have to say anything else. Hey, will you pray for me? And our prayer is going to be, God, help them right now to get up and praise the Lord. Come on, we're just going to wait. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You come as the Spirit of God leads. Let me just say that I noticed that there are a lot of ladies at the altar. So, men, I just want to speak to you if I could for just a minute. Don't let your pride keep you from leading well. There's a man in the house needs to humble himself and get out of your room, come down this altar and ask somebody else to pray for you. You've never done it before in your life. I don't know who you are, but you do. He's wrestling you right now. I feel like you can't even breathe. He's wrestling you so hard. Let him win. Step out of that aisle. Come on down. Brian's waiting to pray for you. Come on. There's guys moving right now. Come on. Come on. There's no need to wait. Come on, in the back of the room, move out of your chair. Let's come down here and say, will you just pray for me? You don't have to say any details. Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Gomez, would you step up over here and help? There's some other people that are coming. If they need prayer for, would you do that? All right, y'all, we got Gomez over here as well. Okay, come on. As you feel led, just walk up and say, will you pray for me? I see older people coming, younger people coming. Come on, come down. Just will you pray for me? As they're coming, let me say to you, if you've never been born again, there's no better time than right now. God will not wrestle with us forever. So today, maybe he's wrestling you to a place where you're willing to wave the white flag and say, Lord Jesus, come and be Lord of my life. I beg you, do that now. Do that right now. Invite Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. Anybody that's waiting, I see there's still a lot of being prayed with. Shane's available. Miss Dawn's available. Y'all come on. Just grab them by the hand and say, will you pray for me? Now here in just a minute, we're about to begin to sing and lift our voices in song. 
That's not a time for everybody to get up from the altar and go back to their chairs unless the Spirit leads you. It's not a time for you to stay in your chair. As the Spirit prompts, you come. If tonight or today, rather, you need to make Jesus Lord of your life, I beg you do that right where you're standing, right where you're kneeled, right where you're listening online or even listening to the podcast later. Surrender to King Jesus today. Father, take this time of response, and I pray you'd have your way. God, I see people flooding the altar. I know there are people right now who are sitting in their chairs that need to just come. You're telling them right now, I pray, God, you'd give them liberty. Break down our pride and our religion. Bring us to a place of humble surrender. God, there's some people in hurting today who just need somebody to pray for them, to get up and praise the Lord. Thank you for reminding us of your benefits. In Jesus' name.